Hello, I'm Roz Hardy. And I'm Tim Hardy. Welcome to our episodes podcast. Each week, we will look at an episode in broadcast order, talking about our favourite parts that caught our attention along the way. We hope you enjoy listening. First of all, we thought we would talk about how we came to watching episodes. Uh, so, Well, how you came. <laughs> okay, how I came to watching episodes. Tim's ha- route was very simple. I married into it. Basically, it's all my fault. Uh, so as a as a child, I guess, um, I discovered Friends on Channel 4 and really liked it um, and started asking for the videos uh, and then got very obsessed with it um, and buying the videos, which came in like four episodes a video, um, meant that it took me quite a long time to build up my entire Friends collection. My whole room had friends' posters. I was pretty obsessed. Um, I even like printed off scripts and rehearsed them and things. Um, that's how much I love friends. Greek. Then when I was 16, um, Greenwing uh, was on TV on Channel 4 again. And uh, two of my uh, friends from school were like, you have to watch this show. you really like it. Uh, and the first one I saw... Um, someone got a Swiss army knife stabbed into the head and I could not stop laughing and I knew from then on that I was going to love that show. And so I went puppy. <laughs> so I went back and watched it all and became obsessed. And fortunately for me, I was living in London and they were doing DVD signings at the time. So um, I got to meet uh, Tamsin and Steve quite a few times, um, to the point of which my mum would then start calling Stephen Mangum my friend every time he appeared on TV. Uh, So when uh, I found out that there was going to be this show um, with Tams and Greg, Stephen Mangum and Matt LeBlanc, um, it was like a match made in heaven and uh, I kind of fell in love with it from the straight, straight away really. Plus, it's written by Marta Croftman and David Crane, who uh, are the two creators of Friends. So, you already knew it was going to be good. Um, and I would hope that you're by listening to this, you already know what the premise of episodes is. What is the premise of episodes? <laughs> so... I'm pleased you asked me this, Tim. The premise is that these two very successful writers in England have a hit show that's won several BAFTAs. It's just highly rated and really, really popular in the UK. And the bigwigs over in the US decide they want a piece of the action and decide to make a US version of the show. Um, But from there... It's essentially a downward spiral with uh, someone who's supposed to be a very renowned actor playing this um, uh, head teacher of a private school um, ending up being cast as Matt LeBlanc. With Matt LeBlanc being cast as him. Yes, sorry. (coughs) That makes more sense. It does, strangely. (laughs) Thanks. So, yeah, um, and it's all kind of a downward hill spiral from there. Um, And I think the idea came from the fact that so many shows um, 
were being made into American versions um, around this time. I know quite a few pilots that were created but never really made it, or even talks but never even made a pilot of it. Um, Thank God Space didn't get made. Oh, yeah, they were going to do an American version of Space, weren't they? That would have been terrible. That would have been. Uh, I know they did a pilot of the IT crowd. Richard Ayoade was in it. Um, but that so, wasn't enough but, to save it. No. Um, and there was um, definitely talks, I don't know if they ever bothered making it, of doing an American version of Gavin and Stacey. Um, but with America being such a big country, I'm not quite sure how that would have worked. But I definitely can see that the southern and northern accents being a thing. But other than that, I don't really... I don't know how that could work either. Um, the Office made it. The Office did do really well. Um, and a lot of people I know prefer the American Office. I can't stand the English version. I've never watched the US version. But I do have a feeling that I probably would enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I... Ricky Gervais is just an irritating dick, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. That's my main reason for not really liking... We can say that, um, can't we? Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that's my main reason for not really liking The Office. And I just find it uncomfortable and a bit awkward. and Yeah. Not really enjoyable to watch. Cringe humour's good as part of a show, but when it's all there is to a show. I think also, like, I've never actually worked in an office, so... I think part of it is just I don't get it. Like, I just don't get that environment. Um, Possibly. But I don't know. Um, anyway, um, we are going to start off by reading the Radio Times um, blurb about Series 1, Episode 1 of Episodes. And it says this. British screenwriters Sean and Beverly Lincoln are delighted when their TV series is picked to be remade for an American audience and promptly moved to Los Angeles to start work on the show. However, things begin to unravel at the couple's first studio meeting after the network president casts Matt LeBlanc in the lead role. Comedy starring Stephen Mungan and Tamsin Gregg alongside the Friends actor. Okay. I imagine by the Friends actor, they must mean Matt LeBlanc. I thought it was Gunther. <laughs> um, so I take issue with the first sentence. They weren't particularly delighted as a couple. No, um, Sean was more delighted than Beverly, but I think I think they were flattered. Flattered is fair. But yeah, maybe not delighted. Um, but right, let's. Start from the beginning, because that is a very good place to start. Um, and despite the fact that we've seen up until, well, the end of series... Well, I've seen to the end of series four. I think you've only seen the first three series. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try and not give any spoilers away and just focus on the episode that we're on slash what's come before. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So... Uh, Clearly there'll be spoilers for this episode. Well, yes, but if you're listening to this before watching episode one of episodes, then I think you need help. (laughs) It's safe to say. Watch the episode and come back. I don't know who who would do that. Anyway, we start off going... If it's you, don't tell us. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, just skim over that. So we start off without a cold open, and we go straight into some opening credits. That's unusual these days, isn't it? It is quite unusual. Um, I think quite a lot of... I'm trying to think now of the shows that I watch and... That don't have a pre-credits scene. Yeah, and I can't... I'm the phrase cold open is only one that I've come across in the last year since Donald Trump got in. Really? And the Saturday Night Live start taking a piss out of him in news conferences. Um, and I read about those bits being described as cold open. And I went, okay then. See, I only discovered the term cold open this year. Uh, at the start of this year, when I started listening to a friend's podcast called Best of Friends. And... Um, and that's when they started using the phrase cold open. I was like, ah, that's what it's called. When you did film studies at A-level, you should know this kind of thing. Yeah, but in Actually, film... Actually, film, not TV, isn't it? You don't tend to have cold opens in the same way. Um, so we wouldn't talk about that. But yeah, yeah. Most, <laughs> most shows have cold opens. Um that I can think of. We just finished watching Buffy for the upteenth time, and that has cold opens. Um, yes. I would say Grey's Anatomy has cold opens, but by series 12, well, 13 that they run now, um, they don't really have an opening credits scene. They just flash up the words Grey's Anatomy, which must, which is after the cold open. Um, and if you've got to season 13, you know what's happening anyway. Yeah, you, I guess so. Spoiled people um, have sex and die. <laughs> um, but anyway, we move into um, into the opening credits, and I think the theme tune's really catchy. It does get stuck in your head. Um, but I won't. I won't sing it, won't sing it now. Um, and of course, um, we start <laughs> off with um, a confrontation between Sean and Beverly. And um, and Beverly's trying to leave the house, um, and we have this ridiculous door voice that says "front door ajar." Yeah, it's worse than the happy doors with a personality from Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it but is not science fiction, which is terrifying. <laughs> I think it's because it's it's constant, like it's like front door ajar. Front door, ajar. A scratched record going round and round. Hmm. It reminds me of um, of Anne's microwave. So my friend Holly, her mum's blind, and so they have all sorts of fancy gadgets around the house um, to help her with this. And the microwave talks, which, you know, useful when you're trying to put in times and stuff. Unexpected but, item in the defrosting area. But, <laughs> but when it, when you press the button to open the door, it says, microwave door, open. And you're like, I know, I just pressed the button to open it. I'm holding the door. But you can't see that it's open. Yeah, but you know because you're touching it. If you press the button, you microwave doesn't know that you're touching the door. In defence of that one. <laughs> and then And then when you shut it and it clicks, you hear the click of it shutting, and then it says microwave door, closed. That would be irritating. I find it a little bit ridiculous. But, 
at the same time, I'm sure Anne finds it very helpful. I and comforting know. to have a nice voice around the house. Because Stephen's a bit of a git. <gasps> you can't say that! What if they're listening? <laughs> he wraps her presents up in newspaper. This is true. Because she can't see them. But he hates Christmas. He's just a humbug. <laughs> you can't say that. Anyway, I <laughs> will move on from talking about our friends. Um, and then, so Beverly and Sean are having an argument, which includes the phrase, I saw you wanking to morning. <laughs> we don't know what or who morning is. Well, we kind of work out that she's a, a person. Um... We, we hope but, uh, that she's a person. <laughs> um, but we Given the talking really doors, know. it could be anything at this point. Um, and so it seems that their relationship is very much on the rocks. Um, and I think, personally, that the chemistry between them from the very start of the show is very clear. That they have a good relationship together. It's believable. Yes. Um and they have worked together for a long time now and are good friends in real life. Which Many is, lots of years. Which is why it, that probably helps. Um, and then, so then Tamsin, or uh, Beverly, as she's actually known in the episode, is... You've been doing so well with that so far. I know, I've been trying really hard. I'm, I apologise now if I call them Tamsin and Steve. And um, Matt. Well, well, Matt is called Matt. Yeah, That's so that even more confusing. Right. <laughs> um, Just don't call him Joey. Is fed up and decides to leave and then gets in the car and drives off. Um, Sean tries to warn her that she's on the wrong side of the road, but she just thinks that he's uh, saying that you're wrong. And she's like, no, no, you're the one that's wrong. We should mention but at this point that the cold open starts with them in Los in the States. Yes. Um, so she's clearly driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, the left. The side and then the it cuts to uh, Matt LeBlanc, um, and he's trying to use uh, his voice activation on his phone to call Bob, was it? Bob, I think it must yeah, have been. Yeah, but it calls his mum, so then he's awkwardly chatting That's the to comedy his awkward mum. chat with his mum. Yep, and then... Um, because Beverly's on the wrong side of the road, drives into him, and there's a crash. Then it fades to black, and um, and says seven weeks. Seven weeks earlier. earlier. So, at the BAFTAs party. Yes. So it seems that we will learn about how we got to that point by the end of the series. I would imagine. One would hope. Yes. Um, so. Sean and Beverly are now at the BAFTAs, or the after party, um, and people are coming up to congratulate them on their success. Yes. Um, ben Miller arrives, who is a great comedic actor. Um, well, his character arrives. Yes, we don't actually know his character's, his name. character's name. We'll call him Ben. We'll call him Ben. <laughs> Funny, huh? <laughs> Um, and congratulates them in a sort of nice but half-fake and jealous way. It's a slimy half-hearted, Yeah. I'm so pleased for you, really I am. Yeah, why did I not win, sort of thing. Yes. Yes. 
Especially because um, it's the second year that they've won. Yes. Um, but I was very excited to see him because it's always nice when you see random um, celebrities. Your life's not shows. been the same since he died in... Um, Death and Paradise. Death and Paradise. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't think I can Which see is... you covering your mouth there, love. <laughs> Which is a ridiculous show, but great fun. Um... Stabbed in the guts. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Sean and Beverly have a nice little snog because they're all happy and stuff. Um, Their relationship is not on the rocks at n- this point. No, and why Why wouldn't they be happy? They've just won more BAFTAs. They're as successful as, as they've ever been. Life's going pretty well, it seems, for them. I'd be happy. And I always love a Tamsin and Steve kiss. Perv. I know, but I do. It's what I loved about Green Wing, and I just yeah, they they just they they're good at kissing on screen kissing. They look good kissing on screen. Tamsin and Mark were better. <laughs> that is an argument for another day, <laughs> and I can also tell that my husband's only saying that to piss me off. So <laughs> move on with the story. Um, No. (laughs) So, moving on with the story, Mark Lapidus arrives. Um, Mark Lapidus. Yes, I was. uh, I was Merck. Yes. Not Mark. How many times have you seen this show? I've seen a lot. Did I not say Merck? No, you said Mark. Oh. It. It. My notes have auto corrected it to Mark, but it is Merck, and um, and I apologise now if. Well, actually, no, I don't apologise if did. I call him Mark Lapinus because... Mark Lapinus. Yeah. Merck Lapinus. Whatever. Lapinus, all right? Because it's likely to come up in future times. Sort of spring up unexpectedly. Yeah, that's what he said. So, <laughs> we can tell from the start that Merck is a little bit of... Kind of stereotypical... Smarmy douchebag executive. Yeah. There we go. Put it perfectly there, love. And um, and it's kind of like, oh, I love the show, it's amazing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then he talks about the wife look, which I thought was interesting, because I was like, <clears throat> do I give a wife look? I'm afraid you're the only one that can really answer that. I don't think so, but... I tend to be oblivious. <laughs> I might give a look. I definitely give a look of, oh, no, not again, sometimes. But that but, just makes me laugh. But, yeah, and I don't think it's a particularly a wife look. It just happens that Tim's often the one on the receiving end of that. Yeah. Oh, no. And you are my wife. This is true. Uh, so maybe. Um, Context for the wife look remark. Yes. Um, I'm hoping that by our introduction, saying we're both called Hardy, that that might have been a bit of a giveaway, but I we could have been brothers. In the episode. Oh, right. Yes. Fair enough. Anyway. So then, um, he also then plays the cancer card, makes them feel a bit bad for him by saying that he had cancer. Which is always a good card to play, if you can. Or just, if you... Can't. To get what you want. Yeah. yeah. I think 
and he said that he's making a pitch for them to come and write yeah. the show in the States. This is true. And initially they're not having any of it. Yeah. Well, Beverly's not having any of it. <laughs> Stephen Mangan's character, who has... I don't know what his name is anymore. Sean. Sean is all up for it. and He's so lapping up everything that Merck says. Beverly just turns to him and gives him a death ray glare, which Merck then says, that's the wife look. Yes. And then he says, oh, she's giving me the wife look now. And does jazz hands and grins. Yes. And it's a comedy gold moment. It is quite comedic. Which is good, because this is a comedy. That's what the Radio Times said. Yeah. So it must be right. It must be true. Um, I was just thinking about the cancer card, and I was thinking about how um, there's an episode of Friends where um, <laughs> where, Phoebe, where there's one muffin left, and Phoebe uses the dead mum card, and then um, whoever she's fighting against, I think it's either Phoebe... Um, she can't be fighting no, against herself. No, she? it's Rachel, I think. Um, says, "Hey, you used that earlier to get something else," and she's like, "Oh, did I use that already? Sorry." What's the most it's... outrageous conversational card you've ever used to get your own way? I don't know. Um, I can't really think of a time where I would have done that. I know um... I milked it a little bit when I had a broken wrist. Yeah, I think I probably did a bit after I got hit by a car. Yeah, but that hit, was, the hit by I a mean, car card is quite yeah, a good one. but I mean, I was nine. Bring me ice cream and jelly that I can drink through a straw. Mm. I was nine, so uh, can't yeah. really remember. Okay. Um, mm, I don't know. Can't really think of anything. But you should definitely try in your everyday life to use the hit by a car card. I should. I'll bear especially, that in mind more often. Yeah. I was hit by a car, you know, I can't be expected to drive people anywhere. <laughs> I will use that in the future. Um, especially if I become an ambulance driver. <laughs> <laughs> That'll go down well, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, um, Sean and Beverly leave the uh, award ceremony and head home in a taxi. Um, it's pouring with rain. Because it's England. Yeah, and my notes are, it doesn't always rain in the UK! Because it's, like, ridiculously stormy, and, like, there's thunder and lightning, and it's proper teaming it down. Yeah. Which it does sometimes, but not, like... Yeah. Not that Bearing in mind, this is a... episodic comedy... Yeah. It'll be done for laughs, not social realism. Yes, I know. There are stereotypes. Um, but, and that is the point, but still. I also struggle to believe that they would live in such a fancy-looking house because the area that they were, <coughs> those sort of houses that they were outside, is sort of Belgravia and, like, really central London super posh and particularly with inflation over the past few years they would be extortionate now like if that and in the background there were stairs so it's definitely got two floors at least so it would be at least a million it would be way too much for a writer's salary they could have dead parents 
They could have dead parents. Play the dead parents card, get a house. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I still was like, they would, as writers, they would not live in a house like that. Also, they would not have a fireplace, like a proper working log type open fireplace in the bedroom. They just wouldn't have them. They maybe have like a gas one. So you're saying it's a bit friends' apartments? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just like, it just wouldn't happen. But um, I know that's a stupid thing to get ahead of about, but anyway. Um, stupid thing to get as ahead of about. Okay, yeah, maybe so. Definitely something to notice. Well done. Thanks. Brownie points, but <laughs> stop it. Okay. Yes, boss. So, <laughs> um, Sean is then desperately trying to convince Beverly that doing this and moving to LA is a good idea. And it seems like um, Sean is very much like, yeah, it'd be amazing, it'd be so exciting, what an adventure. And she's like, but our lives are here. What about our friends? We'll get new friends. We don't have very good friends. (laughs) I think that was what they said. Something like that. Probably more along Tim's lines than mine. Uh, And then they decide to go for it. Sean gets all excited and they start getting undressed and getting it on. I think. I remember the unhooking of the bra. They're starting to have smoochies and he struggles. Yeah. Like a 12 year old. Yeah. And then we cut to um, the wonderful contrast of bright sunshine and a super fancy car, and we are in L.A. Yeah. And, um... It looks awful. (laughs) I know. It must be so miserable to live in California. Remember how boring the sky was in Rome? Yes. Plain Blue. blue. All the time, every day. Blue, 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 dark. That was it. Dull. <laughs> it rained for like... Ten minutes. Ten minutes while we were there. And that was while we were inside. Um, and that was it, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah, I do love a good sunset. But... It would be nice and warm. But anyway... Moving you can on. Always wear a jumper and a hat. So they're so they're heading to the house. Um, we get Steve's terrible singing. I mean Sean's terrible singing, which I find really adorable. Because you love Stephen. I do like him. Yes. He's I your am, friend. I am fond of the mangan. Let's put it that way. Um, and and then they get to a sort of. Um, Guy in a booth with a... <coughs> the security guard to let people in and out of the complex. Yeah, there you go. See, Tim's the one with the words. I'm the blabber man. I pay attention. <laughs> you get the rough feel of things. Yeah. And uh, he asks for their name. They say they're Sean and Beverly Lincoln. Uh, and then he seems to think that they're asking to visit Sean and Beverly Lincoln. And he's saying, well, they're not in at the moment. They're like, no, that's because we are Sean and Beverly. And they talk at cross purposes to great comedic effect for yeah, it's what a, seems like one or two minutes. Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a really good scene. 
which ends with uh, Sean getting out of the car and convincing him list. to look at... Yeah, convincing the guard to allow him to look at the list and find their names and be like, look, that's us. Um, and then he name drops a couple of celebs that live there. I or a celeb. I can't remember who it is now either. I want to say Reese with a spoon, but I don't think that's right. And I don't particularly care. I'll find out for next week. Although I'm sure you listening are all screaming, no, it's right now. But anyway. I'm sure you're not. All two of you. Um, <laughs> so we get into this massive palace of a house and there's fake pillars everywhere. Fake polystyrene pillars, which it turns out they're only there because it was used to shoot some crap reality TV show. Yeah, something like The Bachelor or... <clears throat> something Love like that. Island, but in a house. Love Palace. Love Big Brother type thing. <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of crap. So that was why they're in this super fancy house. Because they had six weeks left of the lease. Yep. And the and studio imagines that's enough time to get the series written. Yeah, which is a I, bit mad, but also slightly... Well, no, I don't know. not written, filmed and shot, because writers are part of the whole process, because they'll be editing along the way. So I don't know. Maybe it was just till they find them something more permanent. Maybe. But, um, yeah... But then they they go to the bathroom and there's this beautiful, massive, bubble-type bath, jacuzzi thing. Huge hot tub. Yeah. Sunken into the floor. And so they get all excited and they're like, ooh, let's have some sexy times in the bath. Uh, so they turn the taps and then they start stripping and getting all excited and frisky. And then it The way takes... Ross talks about the sexiness in episodes is like it's worth watching just for that but it's all very <laughs> it's much all done for comedy. British sitcom you don't see anything. anything yeah you see some clothes on the floor and that's about it yeah <laughs> but, and then basically the bath is so huge that it, it takes, takes forever an hour to fill yeah and they get bored and, and decide not to bother anyway yeah pretty much um, it's funnier than we've made it sound. You should watch it. <laughs> yes, I hope you have watched it. Um, and you're chuckling to yourselves now. And yeah, there's lots of visual comedy in this, which I don't know if I was fully expecting when I first watched it. Like, uh, I was expecting loads of witty lines and that sort of thing. I don't know how much visual comedy I was really expecting. Mm-mm. I don't know why, because. I know that the Steve and Hamson are both really good at that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's not clowning. No. It's not slapstick either, but it's all right. Yeah. Um, so then the next bit is they go to the, uh, whatchamacallit, offices. Yeah, the studio. Studio. Studio offices. And meet the team that they're going to be working with. Uh, which includes Carol, played by Catherine Perkins, and um, I can't remember the other two's names. No. But um, watching it the other night was 
the first time I remember hearing their names in the entirety yeah. of watching it ever. So yeah. their names are not important. Aside from Carol, the other two, the guy and the girl, are just sort of the assistants. Yeah, comedic camp assistant yeah. and vacant valley girl assistant. Yes. Um, and again, I can't remember her real name, um, but she plays a character called Emmy in Green Wing and is a British actress. And so it was really weird the first time I saw it when I heard her speak in a very American voice. It's a total American voice. Um, but I find her noises to be hilarious. Yes. You should explain what those noises are. Well, just sort of like unsurety, dissatisfaction, not really getting it generally. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. In fact, at one point she's like, this isn't funny. (laughs) (laughs) And she's supposed to be like the head of comedy or something. She is, I think, yes. Um, So, yeah, there's that quite ridiculousness. Um... And so then they're talking to Sean and Beverly about how great it is, and then they start talking about casting, and they say, well, we've got Julian for the part because he's done it through all the show in England, and he's perfect for the role. And they then start to... So that's Sean and Beverly say that. Yes. Um, they persuaded then... the main star of the show from England to come and reprise the role in the States. Yeah, who is played by Richard Griffiths, who um, is in History Boys. and Naked Gun Two and a Half. Yes. Um, Pie in the Sky, which With I... With Nail and I. Which I remember as a kid, um, where he was just this big fat chef. Big fat um, chef that solved crimes. Yeah, it was really cool. I think you should just say chef that solved Sorry. crimes, because you shouldn't mock him for his size. Maybe he had glandular issues. Maybe. But he died, was it last year? The year of all the celeb deaths. Yeah. Sadly. 2016 Um, got him. Yeah. He was old, though. Yeah, yeah. And big and fat. Yeah. Um, So that was exciting to see him, um, because he's a great actor. Um, But yeah, the realisation is sort of starting to kick in, and Carol... Kind of lets it slip that Merck probably hasn't seen the show, despite swearing blind that he loved it. Yeah, at the BAFTA after party, and then manages to cave to the point where he's like, he hasn't seen the show. <laughs> um, and you can see the sort of panic coming on Beverly's face. Yeah. Sean seems disappointed, but he's he's very much the glass half full. To her, half empty. He's still caught up in the dream of being in America making American TV. Yeah. Um, And then we cut to uh, them heading back home again and we have the second beat of them not being able to get in with the security guard again. Yeah. Uh, Which is always... It's always nice to have a joke that Continues. A running joke, that would possibly be called. Yes. Yes, a running joke. That sounds good. That sounds like the right words to use. 
I get that sometimes. <laughs> See, <clears throat> my husband's very clever. Um, and then um, later on, we then moved to um, uh, to them trying to cast the lead. So they get um, Richard Griffiths. Julian, I think. Julian, yes, that's it, Julian. You get Julian to... He has to audition for his own role. Yeah. Because that's just the way that... It Merck is. ...Merck has it. Yeah. And he's quite... Um, they back about it all. He kind of thinks, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. He's, he's, he's very understanding. plummy English actor. Yeah. He's very kind to Sean and Beverly, who are so apologetic and think, I think they kind of feel like they want to just... They're mortified. Yeah, they are mortified. Um, so he does the scene and uh, everyone's laughing and it's great. And then Merck suggests that he should do it. He needs to be more American. Yeah, that it's too uh, posh English yeah. and that Americans won't get it. Um, I think a lot of... I don't know if this is true of the industry or if it's just the stereotype that I see, but that seems to be the case a lot with American shows or with American... Like, the stereotype of American producers and stuff is that, oh, we have to change it because Americans won't get it. And I think Americans are actually probably smarter than that. You think the audience is cleverer than they're given credit, credit for? Yeah. I think so. I think audiences tend to be slight, and particularly now, people are well-versed in how a lot of shows work. Yeah. And. But there was enough audience for Friends to run for ten series, so the audience can't be that smart. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the last podcast... (laughs) Because I am sad to say that Tim Hardy has been killed. So, moving on. Um, so then they get him to do it in an American accent, and he tries a couple, he tries a southern accent, and is really terrible at it, but also... the, the not bad at the accent, but the material the doesn't stand up... It doesn't scan in an American accent. Yeah. It it doesn't have the same connotations to the words and it just feels flat and lame. Yeah. Um I think this is the point where Emmy goes, it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> and the so it's very, very cleverly written from a actual writer's rather than a Sean and Beverly point yeah. of view. It's that scene that kicks in for me about how clever the whole thing has the potential to be. Yeah, yeah. And whilst clever isn't necessarily funny, that manages to be both. Yeah. And heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. Which is a very English comedy kind of thing. It is, which is interesting when it's written by Americans mostly. Yeah. Um, It's also... They're learning. <laughs> Um, it's also interesting that it helps you to know that the show being a hit in the UK wasn't just a fluke. 
going back to Sean and Beverly's actual show, uh, Lynam's Boys, because that scene, like the script for that scene, was actually quite funny. It was. It it worked quite well as it was, and you can see that the whole what is to come is all due to outside influences. Studio interference. Yes. Um, so, the downward spiral has well and truly hit full pelt, really. Well, it's just or, going. No, okay. Okay, it's just, it's commenced. The ball has started to roll down the hill. Yes, I think that's fair to say. There we go. Um, and so we cut back to uh, Sean and Beverly back in their house, um fixing themselves some drinks in the ridiculous fancy bar that they have in their house at the moment. Yes. And Sean is trying to convince her, it's going to be all right, it's great, this is a dream. And she's like, it's not really a dream. Not anymore. She's realised very early on how bad things are going to get. And how it's probably best to cut their losses and run. But Sean really wants to try and make this work. So... She decides to try and just stand by her man. Yeah, stand by your man. Don't. (laughs) So yeah, Uh, and then finally they get a phone call from Carol. Do they get a phone call? Do they actually go in and meet her? I can't remember. I feel yeah. No, it's a phone call because they're she's on speaker, and they sit down on the sofa. And she's so excited because she thinks she's got amazing news. They've got a really good star, fourth show, someone really famous. Um, it's going to be amazing. And starts to build up their hopes. Sean is very, very excited by this point. He's like a little puppy sometimes, he is. isn't he? He's a puppy and Beverly's the cat. She's a grumpy cat. <laughs> yes. So And then... She announces that it's Matt LeBunk. And silence fills the room. Their faces are just sort of... A picture. Yeah. it's Their faces says it all. And that's pretty much it for the episode. We end there. That is the episode's episode. Episode one of episodes, yes. Um, we do have a next time... Um, but I chose not to take any notes on that um, because we will talk about it next week Um, so I think that pretty much does it for this week's episode thank you for listening I hope most of what I've said gets edited out by my good lady wife (laughs) and um, I've decided not to edit this at all Uh, so thank you my love (laughs) so it will all be there um and I hope you enjoy this. Um, check out the little bio because hopefully by the time this is actually online um, I will have set up a little email account so that if you fancy emailing us any questions about the show or about ourselves or whatever you fancy really, um, please do email us. Um, the there will address be strict will be filtering, so... Yeah, we'll read them, and then maybe if there's some good questions or something interesting, we will read them out in the next show. How does that sound? 
It sounds like a plan. There we go. We have a plan, which is better than Phoebe's plan. It's almost as good as going to get our show made in the States. <laughs> yes. So we hope you enjoy and we hope that you will tune in next week for episode two of Episodes. So I've been Ros Hardy. I'm still Tim Hardy. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Ta-ra.